Welcome to Positively 365, a podcast by Joe Wattis. We wish to entertain, instruct, and motivate. If nothing else, hopefully we can entertain and inspire you to live a more positive life 365 days a year. We hope you enjoy this message. Young Tommy bought a horse from a farmer for $250, and the farmer agreed to deliver the horse to Tommy the following day. The next day, though, the farmer turned up at Tommy's house and said, I'm so sorry, son, but I have some bad news. The horse died. Tommy replied, Well, then just give me my money back. That's fine. The farmer said, Sorry, I can't do that. I went and spent it already. Tommy then said, Okay then, just bring me the dead horse. The farmer was surprised and asked Tommy, Why? What you going to do with him? Tommy replied, I'm going to raffle him off. The farmer laughed and said, You can't raffle off a dead horse. Who'd buy a ticket? Tommy answered, Sure I can. Just watch me. I just won't tell anybody the horse is dead. A month later, the farmer met up with Tommy again and asked, What happened with that dead horse in the end? Did you raffle him off? Tommy said, I sure did. I sold 500 tickets at $5 apiece. The farmer said, Didn't anyone complain? Tommy smiled and said, Just the guy who won so I gave him his $5 back. All of us have an intense need to be loved and nurtured. The need to be loved, as many social experiments have shown, could be considered one of our most fundamental needs. One of the forms that this need takes is contact comfort, the desire to be held and touched, Findings show that babies who are deprived of contact comfort, particularly during their first six months, grow up to be psychologically damaged. Given the importance of the need to be loved, it isn't surprising that most of us believe that a significant determinant of our happiness is whether we feel loved and cared for. In numerous surveys, people rate having healthy relationships as one of their top goals on par with the goal of leading a happy and fulfilling life. In this week's episode of Positively 365, we will look at this need and present another need that we have which is often ignored. But first, we have our trivia question of the day. Are you ready for it? Here it is. What type of fish is a dangerous delicacy for sushi eaters if not prepared correctly? We will have the answer when we come back. Do you enjoy listening to this podcast? One of the ways we are able to continue is through listener support. Simply go to www. Dot anchor dot fm forward slash positively 365 from there you can access every episode of the podcast you can also leave me a message and if you feel so inclined you can click the support button 
For as little as 99 cents a month, you can become a sponsor of this program. You will earn my undying affection and have the satisfaction of knowing that you are doing something to spread more positivity in today's negative world. Thank you for listening and thank you for your support financially and otherwise. Do you know the answer to this week's trivia question? The question is, what type of fish is a dangerous delicacy for sushi eaters if not prepared correctly? The answer, the blowfish. Those who prepare the blowfish for consumption are strictly controlled by laws in Japan and several other countries. Only chefs who have qualified after three or more years of rigorous training are allowed to prepare the fish. Some consider the liver of the blowfish to be the tastiest part, but it is also the most poisonous, and serving this organ in restaurants was even banned in 1984. Now you know. In the pursuit of our need to be loved, most of us fail to recognize that we have a parallel need, the need to love and care for others. This desire, it turns out, is just as strong as the need to be loved and nurtured. It is the desire to love and take care of others that underlies the phenomenon of cute aggression. Cute aggression refers to the tendency to pinch, hug, or otherwise express love for others, particularly cute babies, kittens, or puppies, in ways that mildly hurt or cause discomfort to the object of our affection. We know that the desire to love and care for others is a hardwired and deep-seated need that we have because the fulfillment of this desire enhances our happiness levels. Expressing love or compassion for others is not just the recipient of the affection, but it's also for the person who delivers it. And what's more, it appears that even small acts of kindness generate just as much happiness as do lofty acts. In an interesting set of studies, participants are given either $5 or $20 as part of an experiment. Participants in both groups were then asked to either spend the money on themselves or on others. Those who spent the money on others, it turned out, grew happier than those who spent it on themselves. More interestingly, the amount of money spent on others didn't make a difference to the happiness levels. Those who spent $5 derived just as much happiness as those who spent 20 If the need to love is hardwired and universal, it is also a powerful determinant of happiness. Why then aren't many of us aware of it? Take the question, what would make you most happy? We do not answer with serving others or showering love on someone, but rather many people would answer money or being loved. Maybe the answer has to do with messages that are routinely exposed to us from our caretakers and the media. These messages suggest that our happiness lies in being the recipient of others' attention, love, 
and respect, rather than in being the donors of attention, love, and respect. For example, most of us are explicitly or implicitly told that happiness lies in achieving self-enhancing goals such as career success, wealth, fame, or power. The need to love and care for others, in contrast, is rarely emphasized, except perhaps in the arts. And so, what should a happiness maximizer do? First, because people have an inherent propensity to be fair to others, recipients of generosity feel pressured to reciprocate it. Thus, when you are generous to others, you attract generous behaviors from them in return. What goes around comes around. Second, in a phenomenon known as homophily, when you are generous, chances are you will attract others who are similarly generous to you. Hanging out with generous and compassionate people is, for obvious reasons, more happiness-enhancing than hanging out with self-centered and materialistic people. And finally, and this may be the most important reason why being generous enhances happiness levels, is because of the story you tell yourself. When you are generous, the story you tell yourself is that you have everything you need and more, which is why you can afford to be generous. In contrast, when you are miserly and greedy with your affection, the story you tell yourself is that you are a beggar who is dissatisfied with what you have and that you need more to be happy. The well-kept secret to happiness, then, is simply to practice generosity. And just how does one bring oneself to act in generous ways? When I stress the importance of being generous to boost happiness levels with my students, most of them feel that they are not ready to be generous. They feel that they need to achieve greater wealth and success first before they can start being generous. An unspoken assumption underlying this way of thinking is that being generous requires significant resources. In reality, though, as the experiment with the five and twenty dollar bills revealed, you can practice generosity with very limited resources. In fact, being generous need not involve the expenditure of any resources. For the final project in a class that I teach, I urge my students to think of a creative way in which they can bring joy and happiness to complete strangers. Students are charged with the task of finding simple and creative ways to spread joy to others. Some teams incurred relatively heavy expenses for the project, whereas others experienced an equal boost of happiness levels suggesting that from the standpoint of enhancing happiness levels, it is more important to act with intention of being generous than to expend significant resources. As echoed in Mother Teresa's famous quote, it is far more important to do small things with great love than to do great things with little love. Listen to this nurse's story 
of faithful love. It was a busy morning, approximately 8.30 a.m., when an elderly gentleman in his 80s arrived to have stitches removed from his thumb. He stated that he was in a hurry and he had an appointment at 9 a.m. I took his vital signs and had him take a seat, knowing that it would be over an hour before someone would be able to see him. I saw him looking at his watch and decided, since I was not busy with another patient, I would evaluate his wound. On exam, it was healed, and healed very well, so I talked to one of the doctors, got the needed supplies to remove his sutures, and redressed his wound. While taking care of him, we began to engage in conversation. I asked him if he had a doctor's appointment this morning, as he was in such a hurry. The gentleman told me, no, that he needed to go to the nursing home to eat breakfast with his wife. I then inquired as to her health. He told me that she had been there for a while and was a victim of Alzheimer's disease. As we talked and I finished dressing his wound, I asked if she would be worried if he was a bit late. He replied that she no longer knew who he was and hadn't recognized him in over five years. I was surprised and I asked him, and you still go every morning even though she doesn't know who you are? He smiled and patted my hand and said, she doesn't know me, but I still know who she is. Thank you for joining us today. Please consider taking a moment to like, rate, subscribe, and share this podcast. You can also connect with us and join the conversation on Facebook. Just search for Positively 365. We would love to hear from you. So until next time, stay positive today and every day, 365 days a year. The preceding has been a Canine Wattis production. Sandy, Rita, Levi, do you approve?